Go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts. That's where we're going to start in just a minute. So you can go ahead and turn there to Acts chapter 1. And uh, let me just tell you what you saw there on the screen. You saw your brothers and sisters, part of this church family, who are wrestling and struggling with some of the same things we are of living on mission, where we live, where we work, and where we play. And trying to figure out, all right, Lord, as I go about my daily business, as I go about my daily life, not a program that I go attend, but my daily life, how can I find opportunities to pray, engage with others, and share the message of the gospel with them and call them to believe? Call them to put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what you saw there on the screen, and you know some of these folks, these are ordinary, everyday people, just like you, just like me. Not trained professionals, but they've been rescued, they've been redeemed, and they're now living on mission. And that's all of us. The desire this morning is that we continue to recognize and by faith realize if you're here and you are redeemed, you're a born-again child of God, you've been rescued, that you now are on mission. You are now a witness, as Jesus would say it. We're going to look at in Acts 1-8 in just a minute. So what we're going to try to do this morning is help us and ask the Spirit of God. Listen, we were praying back here, four of us this morning before the service started, and I'm thinking about the message I'm going to share and all the different aspects we have today and some different things. But here's what we realize, bottom line. If the Spirit of God does not continue to, continue to open our eyes and give us boldness and break our hearts for those around us that don't know Christ, then we're just going through an exercise. So even as I'm teaching and even as I'm up here ranting and talking and all those things I do, you even, even in your own heart, Lord, change my heart, open my eyes, give me boldness, and maybe even a sense of God, thank God that somebody loved me enough to come and give me the message of Christ, that I'm now rescued. So okay, we're going to pray together as a church family this morning. Now, Acts chapter 1, I'm going to walk through a couple examples. Early church here in Acts chapter 1, made up of ordinary, everyday people. That Jesus had given a pretty extraordinary mission, empowered them with the Spirit of God. And what did it look like, even in the early church, for that church of believers, just like ours, to go out of where, and where they live, work, and play and share the message of the gospel. So, I'm going to read a couple verses. This morning's going to be different. We're not taking one text and walking through it. We're going to be looking around at some different passages, mostly in the book of Acts this morning. So kind of keep your Bibles handy. There'll be some verses on the screen for you. So Acts 1-8, quick context. Most of you are very familiar with this passage. Jesus is about to leave. Jesus is about to depart. He's died he's resurrected now he's speaking to his church ordinary everyday people he's giving them this mission and he says you will receive power you will receive power what for what for well he says when the holy spirit has come upon you and or even you will be my witnesses the word witness, you've probably heard this before, means simply you testify, you speak, you share what you've experienced, what you know, and the message of the gospel, what is true. Jesus in my place. Jesus in your place. Sins of the world taken upon him. So he says, you will receive power, you will be my witnesses. Where? Now watch this. This is huge for you and me. He says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. 
Now, what did Jerusalem represent? To us, we hear the idea of Jerusalem, and we think, man, a city far, far away on the other side of the planet. To them, it'd be like, you're going to be my witnesses in gray. Sulphur Springs, Johnson City, Irwin, heaven forbid. I'm from Irwin, I can say that. Kingsport, Bristol, wherever. Where you currently are, you'll be a witness. You are my witness. And by the way, Jesus doesn't say, and this is striking, he doesn't say, hey, would you all consider being my witness? What do you think? Give it a try. What does he say? You will be my witnesses. By the way, because there are no other witnesses. The only ones are those that have something to give witness to. The ones that have been redeemed. Us, the church, you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea was the broader area. Samaria, as you know, represents kind of a cultural barrier that had to be crossed over. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then the ends of the earth. And thank God for the ends of the earth because 2,000 years ago, that's us. We were the ends of the earth as far as these guys are concerned. So you see these ordinary everyday people, the mission of God here was accomplished through ordinary people of God empowered by the extraordinary spirit of God. That's you and me. If there's any obstacle in your mind that says, well, I'm not trained enough, I'm not equipped enough. If you are a believer and Christ has transformed you, you have a mission and you have something to give witness to. Now, as a church... We want to continue to be equipped. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to learn how to be more effective witnesses. But if you've been redeemed, you are a witness. Now, something that we realize as we walk through the book of Acts, that God sovereignly takes these ordinary, everyday people and he places them strategically where he wants them to be. That's the way God works. Now, you can flip ahead to Acts chapter 8, and I want to show you an example of this. Acts chapter 8, it'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can flip up there. So they've been, the church has been growing there in Jerusalem, they've been ministering, they've been making Christ known, but the church now, several months later, so to speak, has kind of begun to, to to cluster a little bit too much. They, they really like the fellowship and they, they really like being together. And, and Jesus, remember in Acts 1 8, it said, okay, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, gather and then go. Gather and then go. Well, they've kind of clustered. And it's the plan of God that He takes believers and He scatters them like little pockets of light in darkness. That's His plan for us. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Persecution begins. A man named Saul is a, a part of the persecution. A man named Stephen, one of the early, everyday, ordinary people of the church, is martyred. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul approved of his execution, that's Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. God, what are you doing here? God, why would you bring this in my life? God, what is happening? And they were all scattered. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Judea and Samaria, that sounds familiar. Where did that come from? Exactly where Jesus had called them to go before. So God, if you will, intervenes and he scatters the church so that they will go. And as they go, they carry the gospel every day ordinary people the gospel spread here not by the apostles and, and end of acts 1 8 says the church was scattered except the apostles 
In other words, who is scattered? Everyday, ordinary people. You and me. You and me. So when you see the incredible, this is an amazing truth when you read through the book of Acts. We hope to study through the book of Acts next year as a church. But as you, as you read through the book of Acts, you realize the majority of God's activity, the majority of the gospel witness, the majority of the expansion of the church was done by everyday ordinary people. Empowered by the Spirit of God. That's what you see here. So they're scattered. What happens? Acts 8, verse 4. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Okay, don't use that word then. They, they went about sharing the word. They went about carrying the message of truth. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. Here's what Jesus can do in your life. Here's the truth of the word of God. Will you believe? Will you place faith? Call for response. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, what do we know about Philip? Everyday, ordinary guy. He went down to a particular region, a particular city called Samaria, and proclaimed to them Christ. And crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs that he was doing. Philip had been in charge of the meal distribution. He was an ordinary, everyday guy. God had empowered him with boldness and sent him with the message and incredible response of the people as Philip went. What was the outcome? Verse 8, Acts 8, 8. So there was much joy in that city. I mean, the entire region, the entire city of Samaria, and we're going to look more about Samaria in just a second, was impacted by Philip's faithfulness to go and share the gospel, go and share the message of Christ. Now, here's what I want us to see this morning, and this is going to guide us into our prayer time in just a second, okay? So you can kind of already be thinking, how am I going to group up and pray? And this is going to direct your prayer time. A flow or a pattern that we see in the book of Acts and really throughout Scripture that we're, we're trying to use this language and even hold this out for all of us as a, as a help is you see the gospel being carried by everyday ordinary people, watch this, into everyday ordinary realms of life where we live, where we work, and then we say it this way, where we play ball fields, gym, whatever that may be. You see that pattern throughout. So for each of us, let's talk about the areas where you work. Go ahead and put that slide up. I want you to think for a minute. The areas where I work, where do I work? Where is my place of employment that I can now see as a mission field and I'm not there by chance. I'm there because the sovereign God has planted me there. Do you see your workplace like that and then the places you live where do you where, where do you live your neighborhood or wherever it may be in our area you're not there by chance you're not there just because you got a good deal on a house or you're, you're there sovereignly because God planted you there as a beacon of light so to speak of the gospel do you see it that way and listen, I struggle with the same things. I'm busy. I have a full schedule. We've got a pastel of kids. I tend to pull in my garage, get everything done, got to rest, then go back to the business and forget God has placed neighbors around me for a purpose. Where we live, where we work, and then where we play. I don't know what that is for you. Ball field, gym, golf course, Starbucks, whatever. Wherever I, listen, the natural flow of my life carries me I'm there by the hand of God and God places people around me 
for the purpose of the gospel. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to break up in groups now for just a few minutes. And someone from our church is going to come up and close that time of prayer. So you'll know when the time is closed. But I want to I ask you to pray again. Either as a group, individual, pray out loud, silently. But, but I'm asking God as we pray, the people of God pray. Here's some things I, I, I'm asking you to pray about. Lord, give us a burden. God, create that burden. God creates burdens. Create a burden in me and in us for the lostness and brokenness of our city right here where we live. God, create that burden in me. God, give me clarity on how I can begin to engage, move into the lives of people where I, where I live, where I work, and where I play. Here's the bottom line. Lord, help me to see it different. Help me to see it different. And God, give me the boldness, like you promised you would, to live on mission and join you in this rescue mission. So at this time, our team's going to come. Somebody's kind of going to give us a little music, so to speak. But I'm going to ask you right now just to go ahead and uh, group up, twos, threes, as family, individual, and then just begin to pray. Lord, give me boldness. Give me clarity. Lord, break my heart. And God, help me to see my, where I live, where I work, and where I play. Name it. If you work at Eastman, say, Lord, give me a burden for Eastman. God, I work at Wellmont. Give me a burden for Wellmont. God, I'm a school teacher at Richview Elementary. Give me a burden for that place and the people who are there. Change my perspective. Give me boldness. And let's begin to pray together. So go ahead and move around. If you need to reposition, that's fine. But we're just going to enter into a time of prayer together as the people of God. So will you now just begin to pray together? Second Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you here, Lord, um, wanting you, wanting to be in intimate relationship with you, Heavenly Father, and you've given us the ministry of reconciliation, that way for the creation to be reconciled to the Creator through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to, um, to be witnesses, to be light in a dark world, Lord, so that uh, all we come into contact with would see you and not us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, you would give us strength, that you would continue to transform us so that we can be ambassadors for you as you call us to. It's in your precious and mighty name, King Jesus, I pray. We're going to go ahead and move into our second segment. If you want to follow along in your scriptures, you can turn to John. John chapter 4. We're going to briefly look at an incident in the life of our Lord Jesus. So we, we believe that throughout our regular patterns of life, where we live and where we work and where we play, there's opportunities to share Christ. We also believe as you look at the scriptures and you follow the early church and you watch the life of Jesus, there are times that we must cross over some type of barrier in order to get the gospel to someone. And we're going to look at what some of those barriers might be and even expose some of those barriers in our own life and 
wrestle with God? Are there barriers in my life that have kept me from crossing over to be able to share the gospel, to engage with those who don't know you and then share the gospel? So John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, you remember in the book of Acts that we were just reading, one of the places that the early church began to spread, Jerusalem, Judea, and then Samaria. Philip went into Samaria, and God used him mightily there. there, were, there was, God was at work in Samaria. Now, literally, God had been at work in Samaria months and months before. God literally walked through Samaria in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at that for just a second. John 4, beginning in verse 4. Some of you are familiar with this story. You know it as the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. And for Jesus to walk through Samaria, much less even talk to a Samaritan, represents a ton of barriers that he had to go over, to cross over to take the gospel to this woman. So look at verse 4. It said, And Jesus passed through Samaria. So he came to the city. He came to a city of Samaria. And again, Samaria is a city and it's a region came to the city of Samaria, or in Samaria, called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. That's Old Testament history. Verse 7, And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. In those days, you know, you didn't have taps in your house. You couldn't go buy bottled water. There was Usually every town had a well. It was kind of the, the gathering spot. So it's the middle of the day, evidently. There's nobody out because it's the hottest part of the day. And during the hottest part of the day is when those who didn't want to be seen or noticed by anybody would come out to get water. And that's what the woman's doing. So there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, you think, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? Well, there's a ton of things going on here that I don't even have time to begin to explain. Number one, Jesus in his humanity is a Jew. And Jews and Samaritans, to say the least, don't get along. It's like, it's like Israelis and Palestinians today, for example. They, they, don't, they don't get along. There's all types of reasons that a Jew would not talk to a Samaritan. In that day, for a man to speak to a woman like he's speaking to her was a cultural taboo. You didn't do that. So there's all kinds of barriers that should have prevented Jesus from talking to this woman. So therefore, verse 9, Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? Parenthetically, the writer gives us a little note here. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, just to be clear. This doesn't happen that way. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, You know who I am? The Son of God. He's beginning a dialogue with this woman to introduce who he is to this woman. Verse 39. Before we get to verse 39, I'll, I'll just quickly tell you what happened. Jesus crosses over these barriers. Jesus is sensitive to what he knows the Spirit of God is doing. He boldly shares the message of the Messiah, that he is the Messiah. And this woman, all kinds of reasons Jesus shouldn't even have been talking with her, this woman sees and is given faith and grace to see that Jesus is the Messiah and places faith and belief in Christ. Verse 39, from that city... Many of the Samaritans believed, many of the group of people then that Philip comes back to and ministers to, and then there's an activity of God begins to spread out through the area of Samaria. From that city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of that woman who testified. So she gets, she, she's rescued, and then she goes on a rescue mission to those in her city. And she said, he who told me all things that I have done, 
She knew this was no ordinary person. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay, and he stayed there two days. Now, here's what I want you to see from this passage very quickly. It's very significant because in this case, Jesus is crossing over. Jesus is coming across barriers that normally would have prevented him from ever going to this woman. So for you and me, as we live on mission as a church, there are the the natural patterns of life. We've said that, where we live, where we work, where we play. But to carry the gospel faithfully, there will also be times in our lives that we cross over natural barriers to go where we normally wouldn't be. Or you could say it this way, to go out of our way to share the gospel with others. Now, some of those barriers really quick in our life might be a geographical barrier. It might involve getting in our car and going to somewhere in our city to serve with our church or or on your own or with your life group to be able to demonstrate the gospel and share the gospel in our community. So it might be geographical. It might be geographical that God puts a burden on your heart and you and your family pack up and move to Portland, for example, to be a part of planting a church. It might be that God puts on your heart to cross over a geographical barrier and get on a plane and go to a country like Zambia, like the Cossleys right down here, and say, we're we're living on mission just like you are. We're called to share the gospel just like you are. But for us, it means jumping over a barrier called an ocean and cultural barriers, and we're going to plant our lives there. So there are different barriers that God may call you to jump over. There may be cultural barriers. There may be, watch this, there may be some deep-seated, call it whatever you want, racism, resentment, hostility in your heart that you look at people of a different color skin, people of a different ethnicity, people from a different culture, and you are reluctant to ever carry the gospel to them. And I'll just tell you, for me and for us, that's, that's not only an issue of obedience, that's an issue of repentance. It's an issue of repentance. Jesus had every, he, he could have given you a thousand reasons why he shouldn't have gone to Samaria and ever shared with this woman. And any of the excuses we have are destroyed specifically by the life of Jesus. Let me tell you another huge barrier and then we're going to pray. I think one of the greatest barriers for me and for us as Americans is the barrier of comfort. Sometimes it means laying aside some comforts. It means laying aside our schedule. It means turning off the television, as you heard on the video before. It means saying, okay, there are some temporal things in my life that are good and all that, but God, they are hindering me because I love my comfort from ever crossing a barrier to take the gospel to someone. Jesus modeled it. He crossed over a geographical barrier. He crossed over a cultural barrier. He crossed over even a comfortable barrier. Do you think it was comfortable going through Samaria? You say, well, he's... He's God. I mean, he could have zapped him if anybody bothered him. You know, I'm uncomfortable going through Samaria. I mean, he's a Jew. He's walking through Samaria. He gets the eyes and the scorn of everybody that's looking at him. But he crossed that barrier. Why? Represents the love of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a focused time of prayer now. And again, you may want to group up. You may want to pray on your own. You may want to pray out loud, whatever the case is. But here's the challenge for you and me this morning as we move into the second time of prayer. First, I want you to be very bold and ask the Spirit of God this morning, Lord, is there any racism, judgment, apathy, cynicism, or excuses? Am I bound by comfort that's keeping me from actively and intentionally 
crossing some barrier to share the gospel with someone. That's a bold prayer. God may show you. Your time this morning may be, Lord, forgive me for what's in my heart. That may be what you need. Secondly, have you int- how are you intentionally placing yourself in different contexts, either here in our city, places that you might not naturally go, so that you can cross a barrier to share the gospel of Christ? Are you actively engaged in praying, giving, going towards God's activity and crossing the barriers of the nations? We as a church want to be a a church that's constantly sending out to the nations. But listen, we want to be sending out people who carry the gospel with them and share the gospel here. And when they go there, they share the gospel there. That's why we're putting such an emphasis on personal evangelism. That's who we want to be. And then send to the ends of the earth. So let's go ahead and group up in... Uh, groups, individuals, however you want to do it. And again, let's begin to pray. Lord, show me my heart. God, show me any barrier in my life that's keeping me from crossing the gospel or carrying the gospel. And Lord, show me somewhere you may be calling me, an individual, a place, a nation, to carry the message of Christ. Let's begin to pray together now for a few minutes. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for Jesus, uh, for the love he had for us, uh, for your spirit that caused him to see that Samaritan woman, to reach out to her, to show her your love. Um, God, I just praise you that the same spirit that was in Jesus is in us. The same power that rose him from the dead is in us, God. I just pray that you would open our eyes to the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that we would learn to walk in step with your Spirit, God, to obey you wherever you would lead, God. Uh, Please make it clear to us who um, you want us to share your gospel with, God, Um, where you want us to go, whether that be here or to another country, uh, to the ends of the earth, God. I just pray that you would equip us to do that and do whatever work you need to do in our hearts uh, to let us set aside any racism, any judgment, um, just giving up our comforts, God. Please convict us. Help us to be willing to do that because of our love for you and our love for others, God. I pray that your spirit would work through us and through your power, God, many people would come to know your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name. All right. For our last segment, I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 8. So back to Acts. Show you an instant here in the life of Philip. We're back to Philip. Ordinary, everyday guy. And here's what we're going to be chasing in this section. And then we're going to break up in groups in just a few minutes. And I'm going to ask you to write your names down. Who are those names? Who are those people that God is putting on my heart? You have a card there in front of you that we'll utilize to do that. You can take that with you, and we'll explain more about that in just a minute. But Acts chapter 8, beginning verse 26. Philip, ordinary guy, walking with the Lord. And God leads him to a particular person. We share the gospel where we live, work, and play. We share the gospel at times it means crossing over barriers that are in our lives. But we share the gospel with particular people, with people. And that's what happened in the life of Philip. Very quick, Acts chapter 8 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
This is a desert place, and he arose and went. Now, remember, Philip is in the middle of, you could call, a revival in Samaria. I mean, God's saving people by the hundreds in Samaria. There's churches being planted, and it's just the activity of God. And the angel of the Lord, it says, said to Philip, you're going to leave that, and you're going to go to a desert road. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you cause me to leave all this activity and go to a desert road? Well, stay with me. Verse 27. And as he went on the road, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, going back to Ethiopia on this road, seated in his chariot. Now, I love this. So here comes Philip walking down this desert road. The Spirit of God has nudged him to go there, if you will. He obeys. He comes upon this entourage of this uh, Ethiopian court official. And it says in the verse... And he was sitting in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, again, he didn't have his Bible open. They didn't have Bibles in that same sense. He didn't have his iPhone scrolling on his iPhone. He had this big parchment, a scroll, if you will, most likely. Probably was maybe given that back in Jerusalem. We don't know. So he's sitting there reading this big scroll. And Philip walks up and goes, man, look at that. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. So it didn't make sense why in the world God had called him there. But then you see God was already at work in this particular individual preparing, what's this? Preparing him for that divinely orchestrated encounter. God had been at work already. He was working in Philip's life. He was working in the Ethiopian's life. Verse 29. And the Spirit of God said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, again, there's some barriers there to cross. I mean, this could be intimidating. It's like a presidential motorcade, if you will. All kinds of reasons he's intimidated by this. Go over and join this chariot. Verse 30. I love this. The New American Standard translation says it this way. So Philip ran. You love that? Well, God, I guess if I've got to. He's not going to believe anyway. That's not what Philip did. The Bible says Philip ran. Listen, Philip had been walking with God. Philip had seen God work in such a way. He knew the power of the gospel in people's lives. And he knew that God saves. God was going to use him. He didn't know the outcome. He was just going to obey. Watch this. Evangelism is often sharing the truth and leaving the results to God and trusting God uses his word. So Philip runs up to this guy in the chariot and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Hey man, do you understand what you're reading? Is that, is that scroll thing, is that, does that make any sense to you? Verse 31. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? <laughs> Talk about, you know, like in volleyball, set, spike. You know, set him up. Here's the spike. I, well, I'm reading the Isaiah. I, nobody, I need somebody to guide me. And Philip's like, yeah. All prepared by the Spirit of God as Philip walks in obedience. And he invited Philip up to come up and sit with him. Philip was bold, he had walked in obedience, and now he's given an incredible opportunity to share the gospel. Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I'm reading, and the prophet says, is he talking about himself or someone else? He's talking about Jesus, is who he's talking about. Then Philip opened his mouth, I love this, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. Sometimes evangelism, sharing the gospel, is simply opening our mouth. Open his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, there's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? He heard the message. God had prepared him. Heard the message. Sent Philip as the messenger. God divine, divinely designed this 
divine appointment. The man hears, he believes, and as a testimony of his faith, he is baptized. That's the way God works it. And then Philip got to be a part of it. A life is transformed. Jesus is glorified. We share the gospel with people. With particular people that God places in our sphere of influence. So here's the way we're going to do this third section of prayer. As I said earlier, there's a little card in front of you in the seat pocket. If you've been around, you've seen these before. Maybe the first time you filled out one of these, it's perforated two sections. I'll ask you to fill out both sides. You're going to keep one and you're going to drop one in the offering basket in just a few minutes so we can have a record. I want you to grab this. Grab this little card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. You say, I've filled out one before. Let's all fill out one together so it's fresh. Maybe God leads another name on your heart. Maybe you fill out four. I don't know. I'm going to tell you what to do with this. But go ahead and grab this card. I'm going to ask you to kind of just pray on your own there for a minute. We won't break up in groups as much. Just kind of on your own. I'm going to ask you to take a few seconds here, a few minutes. And Lord, I'm asking you to put particular names. Bill, Joe, Fred, Susie, whoever. These, these names, these faces in my life. And I'm going to write these down on this card. And repeat them on both sides, alright? And then I'll give you some further instructions what we're going to do with that. In just a few minutes, you'll, you will be, I'll go ahead and tell you, you're going to be asked to divide this, and then we'll give you further instructions what you do with that. And I'm also give, going to give you something else as a church really quick before we pray. I want you to know this is so important to who we are as a church. We've, in the last few months, laid out some, last few weeks, laid out some goals for you as a church and for all of us. So we're asking, not only am I going to write down three names on this card, we're asking and we're praying, God, over the next three months, listen to this, Every one of us seek and pray for opportunities to engage and share the gospel with my three names over the next three months. And you say, okay, that's, that's going to be tough. I don't know how that's going to work. Ask God to give you those opportunities. And I want you to think about something. That could mean as a church that Tri-Cities Baptist Church shares the gospel with somewhere between two and three and 4,000 people over the next three months. Wow. Trusting God with the results. So take a minute. Lord, give me my names and write your names down on the card and I'll close our time in just a minute. Go ahead and do that now. Romans chapter 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. God, I pray for myself. Or even as I sit here and think through my names that are on my list, Lord. God, I pray that this will continue to be part of who we are as a church family. That there are always names, faces, people in our lives that do not know you. That we're burdened for, that we're broken for. Lord, that we're not trying to manipulate some outcome. We're not trying to orchestrate something in our own power. God, we're praying. Asking you to open doors, give us boldness, and then we go in your power and we trust the power of the message of the gospel. It is the power of God and the salvation. The message of Christ. Father, we thank you for this day as a church. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And we love you and we praise you. Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. All right, so we're going to do a couple things that I think are really neat here at the end of our service, and then Pastor Jeff's going to come up and close us shortly, give you some instructions of how we're going to go out that's going to be unique this morning as well. Uh, when we do these Go Prayer Days, we want to uh, 
recognize as a church family there are multiple workplaces or places where we work represented in this church body. I mean, if we were to take a poll, it would be everything from medical to auto to education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many workplaces that are represented. So regularly, we want to recognize some of those key workplaces and pray for those individuals and send them out as a church. Now, many of you have been contacted. Some of you don't know that we're doing this this morning. But this morning, we're going to recognize the area of education particularly. So in just a second, in fact, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and start moving on up here. If you are... If you would say, my workplace is in education, in the school system, teacher, uh, administrator, whatever that may be. You say, that's my workplace. Uh, we want to ask you to just come on up here and stand with me. And Pastor Jeff's going to come and pray over you and send you out. And we as a church are going to commission that group of people. Now, it's not the only realm of workplace. We know that. There are many. But we're going to look at this one today and recognize this is a particular realm in our church, an area of the workplace that we're going to send out missionaries into. And we'll do this on a regular basis as a church. So why don't you come on down. If you'd say, my workplace is the education realm here in our community or to the ends of the earth, wherever that may be. And then Pastor Jeff is going to commission you out and send you out. Thank you guys for being here. Amen. Pastor Jeff. Yeah, church, as you, as you look up here, we're, we're going to continue to try to commission and and do this throughout the year of our church. I think it's a good visible reminder, as, as Mike's talked about, that we all leave here and we go outside these doors and we're on mission where we live, work, and play. So today we want to pray for those that work in our school systems, uh, for those that are administrators, faculty. I would say we're going to have a multitude of high schools, elementary schools, Northeast State represented here, ETSU, uh, homeschool, preschool, all that. Uh, you know, I think about the people that have invested in my children over the years at ETSU and at Sullivan South High School in Providence and, and my wife homeschooled for a couple of years. That all helped lead them and grow them. So this is a big deal. All of us are affected by the education system. And, and so we want to think about that. We want to pray for that. So if you guys would, would bow your heads and, and I want to pray for this group and, and commission them today, okay? Father, you are... You are to be glorified in, in everything that we do in our lives. And Father, as, as, I, as I even think about all the teachers and ministers that have invested in my children and, and help teach them and educate them and grow them and discipline them and all the things they do, Father, it's a battlefield out there in our school system. It's a battlefield out there in our colleges. And I am thankful for Christians that are willing and able to go and work and serve and be salt and light in sometimes difficult places. Father, I pray for them as they prepare their lesson plans. I pray for them as they grade papers. I pray for them as they run their staff, as they administrate their schools. I pray for them as they work with their children. I pray for them as they help preschoolers and toddlers learn just basic elements of life. Father, I pray as a church that we would that we would continue to remain thankful for people that serve in our schools and they serve our children. And, you know, Father, I was thinking whether it's whether they work in the cafeteria or drive the school bus or run a department or oversee a high school, Father, I am thankful for every one of them. And I pray that, that through their lives you are glorified. I pray that they find opportunities to minister to students, to minister to their families to spread the gospel, to, to be able to, to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. And sometimes places that, that is difficult and it's hard and, and they could be persecuted and mocked. And 
all the things that we may be fearful of, just give them boldness. Tomorrow morning, Monday, as they they go to work, as they go to school, as they go to preschool, wherever that is. Father, I thank you for being part of a church that sits here in gray and sits in Johnson City. And we have people from all over this area coming to church here and going back out and serving you in our community. Thank you for a church that's willing to be this Acts 1-8, that we're to, we're to go to our Jerusalem and we're going to even to our Samaria here in the Tri-Cities area. We thank you for that, Father. We want you to be glorified. And I thank you for everyone standing up here with me tonight. Father, just bless them, encourage them, speak to them, minister them through your word. Give them confidence and boldness in their calling and where you've placed them in our schools. And we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want you guys to thank them as they return back to their seats and just let them know how much we appreciate them. We're going to go ahead now and, and transition to our time of offering. So I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come forward. And as Mike talked about, we all have our cards. These are my card and my wife's card. So we've, we've written some names down on there and we've, we've torn that in half and we want you to place these in the offering buckets as they come through and obviously keep that other card with you uh, in your Bible wherever as, as a reminder. And then I'll give some more instructions here as we close out the service. So uh, let's prepare our hearts for our offering and let me pray for us, okay? Father, as we transition to offering and, and continue to worship you as we give, as we want to, to be a people that give generously uh, to the mission of the church, that we want to we don't want to be bold about proclaiming the gospel. We don't want to be ashamed of the gospel, as it says in Romans chapter 1. We want, to, we want to go out with this good news of Jesus on our minds, on our hearts, and on our lips as we go out. I pray today that we are generous. We are generous uh, and compassionate as we give. I pray for the names that have been written down. The hundreds of names that have now been around, written down in this service. And, and we want to pr- begin to pray over that and pray for boldness pray for opportunities to share the gospel even as we give Father help us think of the greatest gift you gave us and that was the gift of Jesus Christ that was a gift of salvation through your son we thank you for that and we can never thank you enough and I pray these things in Jesus name Amen <laughs>